The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. So I want to uh, I want to thank you all for coming tonight. When I uh, came in, I kind of uh, surveyed the crowd and I noticed there was about roughly 50 people um, here. And honestly, it's about 47 more people than I expected to be here tonight. Um, I knew Dan had to be here to preach with me, and I told my wife Stacy she had to come, and I also told my six-month-old son Hudson that he had to tag along too. So um, I, I appreciate you guys uh, showing up absolutely, and uh, I'm very excited to have this opportunity. Um, uh, I want to say uh, to start, I want to say um, thank you to Pastor um, Dan and to Pastor Rick um, for allowing Dan and I to have this opportunity. Um, we are very grateful um, to be able to come up here and. Um, do something as serious as get into God's Word. And, and um, I, I'm very excited, um, very honored, and very humbled to, um, to be um, a- able to do so. Uh, if, uh, if I can invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we'll be starting in verse 6 tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Verse 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you um, for tonight, Lord. Um, I thank you for the opportunity um, to to preach from your word, Lord. Um, But tonight I pray that um, it, it would not be the words that I say, Lord. It would just be Um, me as a vessel, Lord, um, just um, transporting um, what you would have this congregation here. Um, Lord, I thank you for this congregation. Um, I love this congregation, Lord, and I pray that um, we could just take what is heard tonight and apply it um, practically in our lives moving forward. Father, I pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. So in 2014, there was a study conducted to break down the spending habits of Canadians. The study found that for every paycheck that a Canadian receives, they were going $65.11 into debt. That means that for every paycheck they brought in, they were expending $65.11 more than they received. In 2009, 34% of retired individuals aged 55 and over held mortgage or consumer debt and the average amount owed by these individuals was $19,000. Among pre-retirees aged 55 and older, two-thirds held mortgage or consumer debt, and their average debt load was more than $40,000. Finally, as of 2012, the average family um, had a debt corresponding to 110% of the family after-tax income. In an age where contentment has been replaced with a hunger and a desire for more material gain, clearly we the people that make up this great nation 
are living far beyond our means. Tonight, as we go through 1 Timothy 6-10, to we will see that this is an exciting passage of Scripture in which Paul lays out for us some very practical truths for the believer. These truths are just as relevant today as they were when Paul wrote the letters to Timothy. However, before we get into this, I think it's important that we gain some context around the passage that we're going to be looking at. The author of 1 Timothy is the Apostle Paul. During Paul's third missionary journey, he established the church in Ephesus. Initially, the church enjoyed a period of great success. The church was growing. Um, Lives were being won for Christ. However, Paul warned the church of false teachers that could arise from from within the church. Unfortunately, Paul's prediction ended up to be true, which moved Paul to leave his protege, Timothy, in Ephesus to ensure that the church would kind of steer in the right direction. Paul dearly loved Timothy. Actually, in in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul refers to Timothy as a beloved son in the faith. So clearly, Paul had a great love um, for his uh, student, Timothy. The book is Paul's letter to Timothy, encouraging him to remain strong in the faith and instructing him about church organization and how the church should stri- or, sorry how Christians should strive to live. So we'll start in verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. At the funeral of a rich man, a mourner thinking of the deceased's real estate holdings, business ventures, and personal fortunes, asked a friend how much did he leave behind. The friend looked at him and said, how much did he leave behind? All of it. Every material good, no matter how expensive or how valuable it is to us, is perishable in this life. In verse 7, Paul is simply highlighting how temporary this life is. Luke 12.31 states, But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. What a great picture this verse presents on how we are to live our lives. Seek first the kingdom, because all the riches and the materials of this world are so quickly to depart. Focus on things of eternal significance. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, And having food and raiment... Let us, there, let us be therewith content. The word raiment in this verse is seen only once in the New Testament. It refers to covering or roofing or shelter. Um, Paul, Paul is urging Timothy to realize the need to be content if all of our basic needs are satisfied. As Christians, we must be satisfied with the basics, with food and clothing. Now, I'm reading out of the King James Bible tonight. I'm not sure which Bible you have in front of you. Um, I'm not sure where you bought it, if you got it at a a Christian bookstore, um, if you got it online, if you got it at camp. I'm not sure where you got it. But when I look at verse 8, I do not see big screen TVs or really nice houses or fancy cars or iPhone 7s added to the list. It simply says food and clothing. And I think this is a wonderful picture of how simple our needs truly are in this life. Now, I will give a disclaimer. Paul is not saying that those who have been blessed with wealth and possessions are evil. 
Paul is saying that the love of those riches and possessions are evil. But we will get more into that later. Should be there sometime around 9.30 tonight. So it's okay that we got coffee and tea ordered for Dan's sermon. Christians don't actually have to look very far for inspiration in this area. We can look to Job. Job was very rich. He had huge flocks, and he was blessed with ten children. But when disaster struck, and all of his possessions and his children were stripped away from him, Job was still content in the Lord. Just like verse 7 in Job 1.21, it shows that Job um, prostrated himself before God and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. Job understood how temporary the things of this life are. We can also look to Abraham. Abraham was a very wealthy man, but he chose to live in a tent. In fact, Abraham referred to himself as a stranger and a sojourner, which means to reside temporarily. Abraham clearly had his heart set on things above. Now maybe you're thinking, well, these men lived a long time ago. Um, They don't live in the culture that we do today. Um, They don't have near the amount of temptation to consume lots of things and to become rich because that's really all we see in this culture today. But I would invite you to um, hear the story of J.C. Penney. Now when many of you think of J.C. Penney, you think of the the monster retail store in the United States. Um, I know when we go down to the States, um, Stacey and I always like to go to J.C. Penney. It's It's a great store. The store was actually founded by James Cash Penny on April 14, 1902. J.C. Penny was a godly man. When the store first began and things were fairly financially tight for him, he still faithfully tithed 10% of his income. Some 70 years later, despite all of his success, James Cash Penny still remained faithful to the Lord. In fact, in the years leading up to his death, James was living off of 10% of his income and tithing 90% of his income. J.C. Penney was clearly living with an eternal perspective. We must also strive to live with our eyes and our hearts upon eternity. Verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Again, we must, we must realize that Paul was writing to this to Timothy due to the fact that there were false teachers that had risen up in the church in Ephesus and who had used their position of leadership within the church as means to financial gain. Paul is not suggesting that money in and of itself is evil, but rather the pursuit of money in your life is evil. The word will in the first part of this text is the Greek word bulamai, which refers to deliberate determination. Paul is not saying that they that will be rich fall into a temptation snare. No, Paul is saying they that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare. Paul is making the point that wealth gained in the natural course of events is not immoral. However, those that wake up every morning with a deliberate goal and a deliberate thirst and hunger to become rich will find themselves in a temptation and a trap. I just love how direct and blunt Paul is in his choice of language regarding the danger that money poses in the life of a believer. The word destruction in this verse is translated from the Greek word olethros, which holds the idea of ruin or devastation. Paul uses the same word in 2 Thessalonians to describe the everlasting destruction that awaits the ungodly. 
Paul is not saying here that those who hunger for money in this life will necessarily experience everlasting destruction in this life. In fact, many people who hunger and thirst to get rich achieve their goal and live to their standards what would be a pretty happy life. The point that Paul is making, however, is that people who choose to live their life in this way are going to find themselves set upon a path that leads to eternal destruction. We must be extremely careful with the way that we let money impact our lives. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced them through, themselves through with many sorrows. Paul here suggests that, the, the, that money is the root of all kinds of evil. If you look at other translations, um, it, that's what actually what it says um, in there, that the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Um, one, does not look ha- one does not have to look far um, for proof of this. If we look around the world, you can see drug trafficking. Um, you can see prostitution. You can see human trafficking. All of these sins really seem so far away to us, right? I mean, we live in Chatham, Ontario. Um, we don't really associate those with our daily lives. But what about these ones? Lust, envy, gambling, jealousy. Money is at the root of all of these sins. Money will never, ever satisfy us. As Christians, we must always look to the cross, the one and only true source of fulfillment, and the only place that we will ever find anything of eternal significance. So how can we make this apply, or how can we apply this to our lives? How can we strive to be content in the crazy society in which we live today? We need to focus on things of eternal significance. If we look back to verse 8, Paul says, And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. This will never, ever be the norm in our society. Every day for the rest of your life, when you wake up, you will be encouraged by the media and by the world around you to make this life as pleasurable as possible. Live for the weekend. No need to save money because I'm only going to live once. Yesterday is history and tomorrow is a mystery. So let's have fun today. As a Christian, that is not at all how we are called to live. We get to live this life. We do but we are called to make the best of it. And when we live this life, we must focus on the fact that we get to live another life. And that life, that light, the eternal life, makes this life look like but a vapor in the wind. So how do we go about this? We must look back to the gospel. Jesus Christ came and died for a purpose. Jesus Christ came and died for sinners like you and me. Jesus Christ came and died so that our sins could be nailed to a cross. And in doing so, he provided us a way to spend eternity with him in heaven. Christ did not die for us so that Christ did not die for us so that um, we could live a life to pursue riches and material things of this world, but so that we could live a life to spread and share the good news of his gospel. Paul has laid out for us tonight that the love of money and material gain is evil. He has charged us to be content in what the Lord has blessed us with so that we may keep our eyes and keep our hearts on things of eternity. 
I want to challenge you to take this truth and examine your own hearts. Are you keeping an eternal perspective in your daily lives? In closing, I would like to leave you with something to ponder. If Christ, in all of his glory, were to return tomorrow evening, what would he find you doing? Would he find a person wasting the little time that they had on this earth, fulfilling the lusts of the flesh, or would he find a faithful servant, one content with what they have, purposely serving to bring honor and glory to him? Oh, that we would hunger to be that faithful servant, content in what we have, and ever seeking to bring honor and glory to a God who deserves nothing less. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you so much for the opportunity to just preach from your word, Lord, just to um, expose the truth that is within it. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that as, as um, Christ followers, we can turn to your word and just um, gain wisdom on how, our lives, on how to live our lives from it. Father, I pray um, tonight that as Dan comes up, that, that you would speak through him, Lord, um, that you would just give him confidence to proclaim your gospel, to proclaim your truth, Lord. Father, I pray all these things in your holy, precious name. Amen.